1: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is BELIEVE.
0: War Eagle, everybody. Welcome back to Believe in Everything Auburn. Taylor Davis, Jason Campbell here to talk to you all about the loveliest village on the Plains. We've got a good episode for you as season ticks closer and closer. We're going to talk about all the storylines coming out of Auburn regarding this football program, the season that is pending. Jason and I are going to break it all down for you because people, it's officially September and football is on the horizon, and nothing gets me more excited than that. Jason, I'm actually going to throw you a curveball here and start <laughs> out with an NFL question because the NFL Ooh. gets going next week. Obviously, you know, week one is is finally here for the pros. What storyline in the NFL are you most interested in? What What's going to have your attention week one?
1: That's a great question, Taylor. I'm glad you uh, brought up the NFL. When you think about this season, I, I'm, I'm guessing for me it's two places. Now everyone probably okay. already knows it's, it's Tampa Bay, because I want to mm-hmm. see, you know, seeing Tom Brady in a new uniform and seeing Gronk in a new uniform, but seeing them do it in another place with Bruce Aarons. Like, people don't mm-hmm. realize Bruce Aarons is a very, very well minded offensive coordinator. Yeah. And he knows how to put points on the board. He's done it everywhere. He's been uh, Pittsburgh, Indianapolis, Arizona, and now in Tampa last year, they had the number one passing offense yards per game. So I looked at, I, I'm ready to see what happens there. And then in that division, cause that's a tough division. You got the saints, you oh, got yeah. the Panthers, and then you also got, you know, Tampa. Did I miss someone? Atlanta. Atlanta yeah you got Atlanta so <laughs> so that I think that's gonna be a, a three-way race this year just because I think yeah. Carolina's so young they gotta play catch up but then when I think about Cam and New England how is Belichick and Cam going to mesh? You know, I see these Instagram stories with Cam's doing a lot of dancing, during warm-ups, And that's something they probably never seen in the last 20 years. You know, cause Brady <laughs> probably was a fun guy. He probably laugh and joke with people, but seeing dancing going on, you yeah. know, uh, I'm pretty sure Belichick must be toning it down. It's kind of like when you're a parent, you have your own kids, you're a little tough on them, but then you get the grandkid, you kind of like, all right, you do whatever. So it sounds like yeah. Belichick <laughs> is just letting Cam be Cam as the grandson. So, that's an intriguing thing. Like to see, and the only other one is the team that I played for was well, the uh, the Raiders uh, going out to mm-hmm. Las Vegas. It's gonna be interesting because they do not have no, they're not having any fans all season long, and the right. fact that you're not having fans all season long, and you're in a new stadium, that gotta kind of be a little bit different mentally for those players and uh, and everything. So we'll see how that transpires, and then like I said, my bad, I got one more Washington. The other team I got drafted by, it's been a long story all offseason. Everyone know the Redskins' name is no longer. But at the Mm -hmm. same time, you have so much stuff that's come out against the organization. And then you also have a new coach around Rivera uh, who was diagnosed with cancer. And then he's fighting Mm -hmm. that as well as leading a football team. And he's the right guy for the job. So it's so many dynamics that's going on there. And just seeing how all that's going to operate during the season is going to be interesting.
0: I agree. Good gracious. When you look at the land, I'm not surprised you just gave me four teams, because when you look across the landscape of the NFL, there are so many unique storylines this season. Global pandemic aside, Mm -hmm. there were going to be a lot of moving parts for so many organizations this season. And I'm very intrigued to see how they all fare. You know, There's there's been a lot of hype coming out of the Bucks training camp until this week. There were a lot of reports saying that Sunday was the worst practice that they've had, that Tom Brady is struggling a little bit in his communication with his targets. I mean, think about it. You know, as a, as a QB, the longer you're in one place, the longer you're with the same personnel, that chemistry just clicks you know what I mean it's so much easier and he was in New England with the same guys for so long that rapport he had with them was almost untouchable now you go to a completely new place and other than Gronk you're having to to relearn some of the nonverbals and things like that and and he's gonna have to adjust a little bit and I think we're gonna have to see it adjust even in season and then uh yeah the NFC South is is just gonna be very interesting. I my eyes are on the Saints though. I just feel like they have had the past two seasons end so in such a difficult way. They basically ended in heartbreak even though That's they had enough. all the talent on the table and it seems like you know drew and, and Michael Thomas and the guys that they've got there. I believe they brought in Emmanuel Sanders now. So you bring in even more stack talent for Drew Brees, who just seems like he's still not headed for his decline yet. And they've got one of the best defenses in the league. I really feel like this could be the year that the saints, you know, go over that hump that that has stopped them the past couple of seasons. But And of course, we got to talk about the Pats. Like you mentioned, Cam is already really impressing Coach Belichick. And you said something that's incredibly important, that Belichick is letting Cam be Cam, and he has to. Mm -hmm. I think when you look at the trajectory of Cam's career, when he was most successful is when he was being Cam. Whenever he has tried to be stifled or controlled or dimmed at all, his play suffers. When he's in an environment that just lets him be him I really feel like he's going to be back to old Cam, and that is a danger zone for the rest of the leagues.
1: No, You're exactly right. And the last thing I was going to mention on that, Taylor, is Belichick, I think, learned something from when he got Hocho Cinco from Cincinnati. He tried to change him into the Patriots' way. And it just never did work, so now I think right. he having cam with a similar personality, I think he's learned to just let Cam be cam. That's the way he get the best out of his player. so that's a sign of a good coach though you know you take knowledge and you move on
0: totally, yeah, and you know that it's not a one size fits all method you you got to mm-hmm. adapt your coaching based on player style and attitude, and Belichick knows that better than anybody, so it'll definitely be interesting how all of it fares. I'm excited that we'll be watching some football. About this time next week. So that, that is exciting. Well, let's talk about some college football. More importantly, some Auburn football. Obviously, it's been a little weird <laughs> time lately down on the plains. We hit a bit of a rough patch. You know, we were we were one of the lucky ones. It had been smooth sailing. We had gone through two consecutive rounds of testing in August with zero positive cases. That is a rarity in the NCAA right now. And then it happened. And unfortunately, nine players tested positive, which resulted in seven others that were deemed high risk due to their tracing and, and all the protocols that they're doing to see how much, you know contact these guys are having. So uh, they took several a couple of days off practice and returned yesterday, but are still without those 16 guys as they still have to complete their quarantine. So unfortunately, that that definitely was a bump in the road for this team, and you get a sense of... I mean, you have to have a sense of urgency right now, given the timetable that we're on, but there's also just, I mean, it's inevitable that you, you start to panic a little bit. You know what I mean? Because Mm -hmm. season is getting closer and closer. Like I said, we are in September. So we are within the month of our first game and we just had to take a week off practice because 16 guys are either have COVID or have been exposed to it. And now you're without 16 guys in any capacity that you are practicing. So Certainly, you get a little nervous when you look at the calendar and you look at all the factors associated with right now and the personnel that are on the field. So what have you been hearing, reading about how they're kind of making up for lost time? Does it get you worried a little bit when you look at the calendar?
1: Well, it doesn't make me worry just because, simple fact, it did happen three and a half weeks out from the the opener, and they have been practicing since August the 17th. So, Mm -hmm. sometimes you can have those six long weeks of practice, and you need a break. You know, you need to worry in there to have that hyphen just to just to reboost the energy. You know, you go through camp about three weeks and you're a little sore, you're a little beat up. And, you know, it it doesn't hurt to take a couple of days off to just retool yourselves and especially them coming into an all SEC schedule. You you need everyone healthy and for the coronavirus. You know, I think a lot of it, too, happened Taylor because school has started, you know, school Mm -hmm. has started and. It's hard for 18 to 22 year old to be like, hey, you can't go over here and see your buddies that you haven't seen in the last five or six months, you know, and you go there and you see them or something and or you see them at a little party or something Then, boom, next thing, you know, here's COVID and here's COVID there and then and it starts to ripple through the team. So Guys have to understand that you're in a critical point in time, and it's going to take a whole team sacrifice this year to get through the season with no, co- with no positive tests coming up once mm-hmm. the season starts. And that's the accountability that we talked about early in the episodes a few weeks ago you have to hold each other accountable. It's not easy. It's not easy for no one right now. And and on top of that, you have all the social justice, injustice things that's going on right now. And Mm -hmm. you're having to implement that into your team and you're having to talk about these things out loud to one another. You have to learn a lot about one another. You're trying to Figure out, and I, and I said this before, the teams that approach that issue the best is going to be the teams that start off fast because it's going to take strong leadership to bring guys together. Coaches can only do so much. But in this situation, you have to come together. Your leaders have got to step up and you got to come together, black, white, Hispanic, whatever you are. You need to come together and understand, like, guys, sports is what helps people. You know, like even when you're going through things in life, if a person watches a game, it gives them some type of encouragement or some type of lift up because they can see your those guys out there playing. They can see them playing together. And and you just don't never know, like how you're inspiring someone. And so you have to come from it from a stand. You have to get deep into it and be real with one another and then come together. And if you can come together on the football field together, then you can show society society that, hey, you can come together. So it's just so many things is going yeah. on right now that these kids are facing that they never really none of us had to face going through college uh, as an 18 to mm-hmm. 22 year old. So it's a lot thrown at them. And it's hard to scale it back. Like, dang, I'm in college, but I can't even be a college student for real. You know, like they're not right. even going to classes for real. So it's tough. And we have to have a little bit of uh, grace and mercy on these kids because. You know, some of them are going to make a mistake. You know, somebody mm-hmm. going to make a mistake. But we just got to make sure we're too deep at every position because it's going to take depth to get through this year and get through the season successfully.
0: For sure. Two, three, four deep, if you're asking me, because I'd yeah. rather have some cushion, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Actually, I heard in the press conference that Gus did on Sunday that his – his goal number for the O-line would be 10. Mm-hmm. He wants 10 dudes' potential yeah, to cool. go out and take the line. I mean, that's that's a big number, but I know what he means. You know, you you just – you can't be too careful this season. You can't be too overprepared. That's not going to exist this season because it will be riddled with so many different challenges. Even if we get to kickoff on September 26th and we take the field and play a full game every single week, Challenges are going to come. This thing is not out of the woods. You know what I mean? So they're going to have to maintain these protocols and, and get things going in the right direction and then keep them that way. Now, obviously, some guys have opted to not participate in this season. We haven't mentioned those so far, so I do want to mention linebacker Chandler Wooten was the first one to announce. Linebacker Josh Marsh and defensive back Trayvon Leonard have all said they will not be participating this season. Obviously, coaching staff supports any that opt to make that decision, whatever is best for themselves, their families they're going to support. But obviously, you know, with a defense that's trying to be you know, reestablished in a in a sense of the word because of how many starters we lost. It, from a football perspective, you hate to see those guys sit out because you know that we're going to need all hands on deck this season. But personally, if that's what they feel is best for them, you respect that altogether. Now, another aspect of season that is going to be different and it has officially been announced is the attendance policy. Jordan-Hare Stadium, along with the rest of the SEC, will be reduced to approximately 20% capacity to start the season. That has been specified. It does not say that will be the protocol the entire time, but at least for the beginning part, to see how all of this fares, 20% capacity. Now, I personally love what Auburn is doing for the home opener September 26th, other than, you know, player and coach guests Mm -hmm. Ticket priority is going to the students, which I think is awesome and really special because I just remember I never felt like I belonged at Auburn more than a game day in that stadium. You know what I mean? I mean, I always walked Mm -hmm. around feeling like this is my home, but during a game day atmosphere, there is you can't articulate what that experience is like. And like you mentioned, these college kids their experience is absolutely going to be compromised this, this semester. So for all of them to get the priority for the first home game against Kentucky and to see them scattered and in a weird capacity, but the students that call that place home, being the ones in there supporting them in game one, I I think that was a really great call by the university.
1: Yeah, that was a good call. Uh, and Another thing about this is when you think about, I'm going to go back to to the Chan-Wooten I think he's the mm-hmm. guy that really would have helped our defense. Um, hey, you know, are... us not having him, I think, hurts us a little bit because he is a little bit more experienced. And, uh, but like I said, rightfully so, we understand, you know, a lot of guys have opted out this week. LSU lost a huge, huge target and uh, mm-hmm. chased mm-hmm. uh, the receiver that's top 10 projected. So, you know, it's a lot of guys across the nation that are opting out for various reasons. And, and when you think about, being a college student. And like you were saying, Taylor, that the, for those kids to get tickets to go to the game, like, for them coming to Auburn has a lot to do with it was instilled in you as a kid, you know, whether it was yeah. a parent or a cousin or watching the games on TV, like you knew the War Eagle chant, you knew the Auburn Creed before you got there. And I remember going through Camp War Eagle and Camp War Eagle was fun. They put me on the stage <laughs> and I had to leave. I had to lead the chant. And oh I was just like, man, like this was cool, but I was nervous as all get out. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so for these kids to come to the game and like I said, be able to to be there, it, it gives them a little bit, a little bit of their college life back. You know, we'll see how things transpire down the end of the road here. Uh, we're just taking this thing one week at a time. And the first game is 11 a.m. game. So let's be honest. Yeah. How many real fans actually going to get up and come to the 11 a.m. game? <laughs> you know, so the students are more likely to get up out of bed and come to the game than, you know, than just say someone that got to drive four hours away or three hours away. And oh, yeah. to our fans, we love y'all. You know, unfortunately, what we're going through, but we know y'all going to be supporting these kids 100 percent from the TV and from the radio. But, you know the students get an opportunity, man, you know, they're on campus every day and uh, they they see these kids. And so hopefully, you know, we can get you in the stands at some point this year. If not this year, we got to understand, but hopefully we can get back in there one day.
0: Yeah. That Friday night before it'll be like Christmas Eve. So to wake up and immediately see Auburn on the TV will be exciting. I want to talk a little bit about this breakdown. So obviously we were talking about, you know what has happened over the past week and and some of the limitations that the team is having. But coach Malzon said the the plan for this week was to practice Tuesday, Wednesday, they will be off and do another round of COVID testing on Thursday, practice Friday, scrimmage Saturday. So he feels totally fine about making up for the time that they took off. I, I like the perspective that you said that, you know, sometimes you need that time down, especially heading into the gauntlet of an SEC only schedule. But, You do look ahead, you know what your timetable is before week one, and there's still a lot to be figured out and learned about this team. So talk to me a little bit about what all still needs to happen before we take the field to face Kentucky.
1: Well, my main thing is, you know, you watch a couple of these high school games on TV that started, there's a couple of high school games here in Georgia starting tonight, and you see Austin Peay, a college team, last week play, and then and you, you start to watch these games, and the first thing that I noticed is so many missed tackles, like, mm. and that's so understandable because you didn't get a spring and you really didn't have much of a summer and guys and coaches are scared to have their kids hitting really hard early in the camp because you can lose someone to a serious injury, so with that being said, you're going to see guys missing tackles early in the season, and it's so important that you wrap up like you can't go for the knockout shot. You have to wrap up and you have to gain tackle. You know, it has to be more than one person getting to the ball. Everyone got to be ready to run to the football and, uh, and everything. the other thing, like I said, is how, what kind of shape is your team in? Like, it's one thing to, to run forties. It's one thing to run hundreds, but it's a whole nother thing. When you scrap on that helmet and you're on that football field and you're going 90 miles per hour, each and every play. And, you're going sideline to sideline and that drilling is running like who is going to be in shape the first couple of weeks because that's when you have hamstring injuries that's when you have you know just different pools left and right so it's going to be very key that i feel like those two things who can make who can tackle and who stays healthy the first couple of weeks because you, you break the season down it's 10 games so you break it down into it used to be 12 games you break it down into four quarters now it's 10 so i guess the coaches are probably breaking it down to three and a half quarters per as they go so for us it's just gonna be interesting man i just i just hope that these kids are taking care of their bodies um that they're taking care of themselves mentally as well as physically because you can't go into this game game one against kentucky and think it's a toss-up it is definitely not a toss-up This is not an easy game. Anytime you open up with an SEC opponent other than Vanderbilt, I'm sorry, this is a challenging (laughs) game because we don't know who we are yet defensively because we got like seven new guys. And then offensively, our whole offensive line is new. So we're trying to figure it out game one on the go.
0: Totally. Oh, goodness. I mean, there's going to be so much to learn in a game type atmosphere. And just even the the mental change that you have to tap into when you're no longer facing your own guys, you know what I Mm -hmm. mean? Like, all right, I'm not just going up against my brothers. Now I am, this is an opponent, even though it feels different, the stadium doesn't feel the same. We haven't had the typical off season. Like you have to get into game mode season mode very, very quickly. And there's still going to be a lot to learn. I feel like, Going into week one, we usually would feel like we knew so much more about this team and we knew so much more about the product that they were going to put out there, but everyone's going to be learning week one, including the guys. So there will definitely be an adjustment period. I want to, I want to get your take on the offense real quick, because we've been hearing a lot about, you know, the different things that. Chad Morris wants to implement and uh, it's a few key tweaks a lot of guys speaking very highly about his offensive mind and how he likes to utilize a lot of the personnel and put them in their best strength to succeed and one thing that has been a, a topic point coming out of camp is his emphasis on the use of tight ends in the passing game, Mm -hmm. which hasn't necessarily been a huge trend for Auburn in the past several seasons. So this could be a really unique um, add in that we get to see this year and He also is, you know, utilizing running backs, how they're employed out of the backfield. And just the general philosophy that he takes when it comes to the passing game, I think we're going to see it increase a lot. And you you hope that Bo is in, you know, a a good situation to do that. But they're going to put a focus on the deep balls. And with a guy like Seth Williams, you feel good about it. But then they're also going to put a focus on the intermediate routes over the middle and how well are those kinds of things clicking. There is a lot of newness that we hope to see offensively. Is it realistic to think that we're going to see much of that early in the season?
1: Yes, I do think it's realistic um, because we have to get back to our our tight ends. Like I said, that's been the one thing that's been our Achilles' heel on offense over the last three to four years is we don't Mm -hmm. utilize the tight end position enough. The tight end position is designed to create openings for the outside guys to match up one-on-one because you have a stud tight end that takes, that takes care of the middle of the field. He draws safety's attention. He draws linebackers back into coverage. And then that's when you're able to hit guys and play action. When you got to affect the tight end, which we have a 6'7 kid and we have a 6'5 right. kid, we, we're loaded at the position with talent that we stocked over the last two years in recruiting. So now these guys have to be – their antennas go way up because when you know you're going to touch the football – you get a little bit more hype for games and said, I'm going to go out here and just block this DN, block this D tackle. Like that's your mojo. But when you know you got to go out true. there, you're gonna catch the ball. Like now you like, okay, I feel like I'm part of the game plan. So I have a little bit more extra motive to, to get myself prepared and get myself ready to go. So the tight end position is the quarterback's best friend. And mm-hmm. Seth Williams has been his bow best friend last year. I still Mm -hmm. expect Seth to be his best friend this year, but I think the tight end position is going to help Bo out because he's not a huge tall guy, but he can see him easily over the middle of the field because Seth is going to draw double coverage. He's going to draw attention and you know, Eli Stove is going to have a good year because he's more of a possession receiver, but they're going to draw double attention. They're going to try to take your best, your best guy away. And Seth has earned that. He's listed as the top five preseason, all SEC receiver. And right. he's going to get that attention. So your tight ends have got to perform you know, in order to open up everything else. That's just how this offense goes. And yeah. And the last time we had a good tight end was Lessa Kirky, And then Chandler yeah. Cox played a little bit at the elf position as a fullback. But then they played him a little bit at the tight end position. But we haven't really had a successful tight end with a lot of catches. Uh, since lester left. So, you know, this is, and that's when we had, when we went to the national championship. So.
0: Yeah, it worked then.
1: <laughs> all right, worked then. So why not involve a tight end, man? It's too talented. Everyone looks around the NFL and see how tight ends have changed the game.
0: Yeah. Oh, so true. I mean, two of them just got huge contracts, including Travis Kelsey not too long ago and George Kittle. So uh, I, I'm really excited to see that that's an aspect to the offense that we're going to add in. And I hope you're right. I hope we see it early. And I hope that, they feel they've had enough time to start implementing some of his changes because I do think it it's needed. Look, we've talked so many times about, you know, this program showing glimpses of greatness and being within reach of taking down the big dogs, like last year, almost beating LSU. The word almost is getting really freaking overused in Auburn. We're tired of almost being there. You know what I mean? And, It's felt like oftentimes in the past several seasons, it's been on the offensive side of the ball. What keeps us from going from good to great? And maybe it's little things like that. Start utilizing a freaking tight end more or get more creative with the running backs coming out of the backfield. Like I think that he could be the mind, the fresh pair of eyes that Auburn needs. I felt really good about the hire. I felt really good about what he was going to be bringing The problem he's up against is, did he have a fair enough timetable to implement the new offensive scheme and offensive mind that he wants to put on the field? So I'm excited to see it. Hope we see it early. And real quickly, just on the defense, you know, you had mentioned a lot of, uh, you know, the moving parts and and players, big name guys that we're going to have to be filling in for what, what position group specifically will you be keeping an eye on defensively? I mean, we, we've seen success in the past few seasons, but this year is going to come with its own set of challenges. I anticipate, you know, there's some big-name guys, K.J. Britt, Owen Papo, those guys you, you expect to talk about them. But I feel like there has to be a few guys on that defense that maybe we're not talking about their name right now, but once season gets going, we will. We need guys like that.
1: Yeah, you're definitely right. We need Smoke Monday. Smoke Monday has got to have a big season for us. You know, he's another guy that uh, got a lot of playing time in the bowl game against Minnesota. And so he's got to come out ready to play this year. And then, you know, another guy, Zacchevius Walker. You know, he's a, a defensive end, 6'4", 266 pounds. You know, will he be a guy this year that can contribute for us and, and come in and help and, when you think about that side of the ball and Owen Papo, you know, we know KJ Brick gets a lot of attention, but Owen Papo, he's a, he's a guy that he last year, he was, he's skinny, but he could get sideline to sideline. But this year has he beefed up a little bit in the off season to be ready to, to put his head in there and stop some of the run game. Because last season teams would try to run at him later in the year because of his, because of his weight size. But this year I've heard he's put on 15 or 20 pounds. So I know that's going to pay dividends, because he's an all state talent. And uh, coming out of high school, so I look forward to him to seeing what he can do and what kind what he can bring to our defense because KJ Britt's gonna be there, and KJ yeah. Britt is, uh, like I said, he's a dog. You know, you always got to have a dog in the middle. I always totally. got to have a dog in the middle. So I just look forward to seeing what he does. And then the cornerback position, you know, it's another one. Like, what are we going to do yeah. in the corner with our corners? You know, right now they're, everyone's still fighting for jobs. I know there's names that they're trying to throw out there saying it may be starting who, but we really won't know until week one. Uh, you know, Noah Ipinaget was a, was a, a guy that left and uh, got drafted in the first round. So those are big shoes to fill and, And uh, so and then on offense, I just want to see what we do with Anthony Schwartz. Like, I really just want to see what we do with him just because the fact is, I don't think we've done enough with him. And I think he has so much talent and speed, he can put pressure on defense. It made me think of the kid that plays for Kansas City and uh, and how he just stretches defenses and, mm-hmm. and everything. And, and Swartz has that kind of speed, the world-class speed. They've gone back and forth on Twitter before about who's the fastest, <laughs> him, and, him and Hill. So, you know, the way that Kansas City uses Hill is a way I want to see Auburn utilize Swartz and uh, yeah. and everything. So it'll be nice to see what we do with that position. And I know Tank Bisbee is getting a lot of the headlines, but people, do not forget about DJ Williams. DJ oh, Williams yeah. is a short stud. But he can run, and and he can bring it to you. So let's not forget about that kid, man. Because you know we, we got two to three running backs that can, that adds a lot of depth for us.
0: Oh yeah, I mean you've got a a guy like Sean Shivers who can kind of change the pace. We mm-hmm. saw that last season. I, I fully expect this run game to be kind of a committee situation, like it has been in seasons past, but. Yeah, I think that the defense, there. there's ample opportunity for new guys to really step into the role where, you know, they're considered the backbone of that defense. We have a few returning guys that we know what to expect from, but you also don't have the reliability this season like you do most seasons, knowing, oh, like you said, you know, KJ Britt's going to be there. He may not what if he gets Mm -hmm. COVID and he's out two weeks? You know what I mean? Like there is, there's just another aspect to this season where every single guy has to be ready to go at any point and not just ready to go, ready to make an impact. And maybe if you take advantage of the opportunity that you're given, you won't go anywhere. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? You'll become that staple and establish yourself. I've heard a lot of good talks about Derek Hall. He's a linebacker and they expect him to be a big part of this and big cap Bryant would likely move to the D end position and Derek Hall kind of take over in that buck linebacker position. So I I think that there's going to be a lot of guys talking about what you're going to learn week one. I think we may learn about a few guys on this team, guys on this roster that we haven't talked about a lot yet, but that's also exciting for the future. So.
1: And there's one more I like to talk about. We got to give him some credit is Christian Tutt. And the oh, reason yeah. I talk about Tut because he played nickel a lot for us last year. He was involved in a lot of the passing plays and you know, this year would be interesting to see, do we move him outside or does he stay at the nickel? And uh, so we'll know a lot about that at the, at the beginning of the season as well. And uh, Zakobi. Kobe, the Kobe McLean, the young kid yeah. from Valdosta as a linebacker, you know, what, what What would we do with him? Because he's another high talented guy from Valdosta, Georgia. We already know the, the pride that they take in their high school program. So he's the guy that could pay, that could, that can add some depth to that linebacker position.
0: Definitely. And, and I certainly hope that he does. Well, I want to get a really quick uh, overview of the preseason rankings that have come out. Talk about the SE teams that are ranked ahead of us. Get Jason's input on that. But before I run through that last storyline, gotta tell you guys about our awesome sponsor, Bet Online. Did someone say playoffs? The NBA, MLB, and NHL are in full swing, and our partners at Bet Online have you covered. To take full advantage of sports being back and get in on the action with hundreds of odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. There is always the online casino as well. If you don't want to dabble in the sports betting, head to betonline.ag today and sign up to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that is betonline.ag. Sign up today and get a bonus on your first deposit. Okay, so like I said, the preseason rankings have come out, and first I want you to even answer me this. Would preseason rankings come out, right? AP, coaches poll, blah, blah, blah. Me in the reporter role, anytime we bring this up to coaches or players, they give us the the PC answer of, (laughs) we don't concern ourselves with that outside noise. We don't even talk about it. We don't pay attention. It doesn't matter. I get it, okay? You got to keep your mind right. Mm -hmm. But- realistically is that something that players pay attention to I feel like now especially with how much social media has grown and how much the discussion is had you know across all these media platforms you can't avoid it you know what I mean it's unreasonable to say we don't even pay attention Eh, It you are being inundated with the fact that that ranking is out there from a player's perspective what what good or harm does it potentially do to have that stuff out there before season starts?
1: Well, Taylor Davis, you are correct. Coaches do give you a PC answer, and I'm not <laughs> going to give you a PC answer, but that's what the coaches do. Thank and do the you. Pla- yes, and do the players care? Yes, the players care. The care the kids right. read everything all across the summer. And they totally. read everything that's said about each player, everything that's said about the football team. That's how teams and coaches get bulletin board material. And they'll take something that someone said back in, back in June or back in July, and they would take it and they put it inside the locker room. And the kids will see it every single day that they walk out to practice and they get ready for the games. They'll put it in their meeting rooms just to keep it yep. fresh in these kids' minds. So, yes, these kids take that stuff to heart. Do the coaches take it to heart? probably not as much as the kids though, but my thing is I always said never give rankings until after the first four weeks of the season. And the reason I say that is you don't know what a team looks like until you hit October. Well, of course now it'd be November, Mm -hmm. but you really don't know what a football team looks like. And you have to understand what you're watching. Like, Yes, teams can come out and be preseason highly ranked, but you don't never know. There could be a coaching change of an offensive coordinator that goes somewhere else, like uh, us in 2003. And then all right. of a sudden, it makes a huge difference, you know? Or it could mm-hmm. be someone else that moved in and all of a sudden they become a, a great mind and they know how to utilize people and put people in the right positions and, and things take off. And then all of a sudden, as well, you just don't know. Like yeah. key ingredients, you just don't know. But coaches, Yes, they care. At the end of the day, they still care because every coach wants to be respected in their program. And every coach wants to be regarded as a top 10 football team. And Auburn, yes, their rankings came out of number 11. I think a lot of that came because if you look at our football team, we lost at least seven starters off the defense. We lost two monsters that you just don't replace very easily in Marlon and Derrick. And mm-hmm. then you look offensively, you lose a whole offensive line except for your center. Like, those are key components. Football games are won inside out, and everyone thinks it's always the skill position. If you can't block for your quarterback, it don't matter how good he is. If you can't, yeah. if you can't get to the quarterback, it doesn't matter how good your DB is. And mm-hmm. that's the thing. So we got to figure out. So, to me, the ranking is kind of like, I guess, in the right place for me just because, simple fact, we got to figure out the domino effect of what our offensive line and what our defensive line is going to look like in the first four weeks.
0: Right. Oh, yeah, for sure. It kind of gives everyone a, a starting assessment, but definitely subject to change. But like you mentioned, Auburn starts out preseason ranked number 11. Now, this also does include the first 25 top 25 preseason rankings does include big 10 impact 12 schools so obviously after week one this whole thing is going to shuffle a lot but the sec teams that are ranked above us i want to get your opinion on these alabama georgia lsu and florida all Mm -hmm. ranked ahead of auburn heading into the season do you agree
1: i don't agree with i don't agree with georgia because you got to replace the most important key position the quarterback position at the same time they had no spring no summer really and they're trying to implement the good thing for them they got six weeks to prepare before the season started because they started training camp back in early august as well they lost swift huge running back they lost a lot of their offensive line gone and then a lot of couple guys on defense their corner Gone. So those are key important ingredients as well. And they're in the in the east. And yes, we go there the second game of the year, which is going to be a very, very key matchup. And I don't understand how CBS not picked that game up. Um, we'll talk about that a later day. But in Alabama, of course, Alabama's always gonna be in top five because they always had a number one recruiting class, and that's just off of speculation. Um That's just the way it is. As long as Nick Saban is there, that'll always be the case. Uh, But when you think about, I was shocked that LSU was in front of us because LSU lost everybody, and Mm -hmm. uh, you know, except for the corner. You know, the corner, young corner, he's one of a generation style corner. Uh, He's still there, but then you just lost the number one receiver in the SEC as opted out the season. So, and then you're starting a whole new football team. You have a new offensive coordinator coming in. Yes, Izzy are still there calling the plays. Yes, um, Scott Linehan is a, is an experienced coordinator in the NFL. So, but you're still starting, starting fresh. And then defensively, you're starting fresh because your coach left and took the Baylor job. So, right. I don't understand how those two got in front of us. I thought we would be the second-ranked team in the SEC.
0: Only behind Alabama.
1: Only behind Alabama. And the only reason I say okay. only behind Alabama because they return a lot of guys. Remember last year they lost their whole linebacker core was kind of depleted. And uh right. this year all those guys are back. And that and that and that, you know, makes a huge difference.
0: Right. No, I agree with you. I, I certainly expected to see Alabama ahead of us. I expected to see Georgia ahead of us, honestly, just because of the that they're returning. I did. Uh LSU and Florida though, I would have put us ahead of both of those. It's just I get frustrated with rankings like this and I'm sure the players do too, because how freaking predictable is this? You know what I mean? Like, it's oh, yeah. just like mm-hmm. every season, the same thing. And yes, <laughs> it is up to the team to change it for sure. Like LSU finally did last year. Mm-hmm. Thank you. But to just start it, it almost feels like, okay, is does this even have much backing to it or are we just copy and pasting from last season?
1: That's what they're doing a lot of time because I always get frustrated. Every year they always put Alabama number one or number two. And then no matter if they're replacing the quarterback or they're replacing whoever, they always just throw them up there number one or number two. And the other team they always throw up there is Ohio State. They always throw them up there at number one or two. And I'm just like, (laughs) I'm like, geez. I was just like, every year, I guess you just open up the sporting new, open up any magazine and it's just, okay, Alabama, Ohio State. That's just how it goes. But, you know, but, you know, it's up to her. these guys can change that. And my, like I said, you win football games between the lines. I like, not in the headlines, but between the lines. Mm. So, you know, you go out there, you handle the business, and you do what you got to do uh, and, and everything. And uh, like you said, you know, I can respect Georgia a little bit. You know, they have a lot of guys, you know, with, you know, with the coaching staff that they have. And we got to go there. But mm-hmm. I still think from a talent-wise, Auburn is a very, very talented football team. And, I agree. And. Just because we lost a lot of seniors last year, per se, I hear that our offensive line could be even better because of the guys that we have up and coming because right. their size and their quickness and everything. So that being said, it gives me a positive note from that direction. And then defensively, we are going to do some things to create pressure because we can't just do a four-man rush or a three-man rush like we did last year because of the talent we had. But this mm-hmm. year, we're going to bring a little bit more pressure probably just because we have to get to the quarterback because of the young secondary we we're trying to replace. And our secondary is really not their young. When you look at the roster, these guys are juniors. I think just one senior, but the rest of them are like juniors. So they've been around. And they got a right. So that doesn't scare me. So that's why I say I think Auburn should have been the second-ranked team in the SEC.
0: Well, hey, they'll certainly have the opportunity to get themselves there. And I love what you said, between the lines, not in the headlines. And that is a perfect note to end it on. Everybody, thank you so much for catching up with Jason and I each and every episode. Just a reminder. We will be doing bi-weekly episodes up until season, obviously, because there's not as much to talk about right now. But once these games get going, we will be back to a weekly format so we can give you game recaps, game previews, and be more regular in our episodes there. So just want to clarify, a little housekeeping announcement. But we certainly appreciate all of you listening to us each and every week. Make sure you reach out to us if you have any topics or guests that you would like us to have. As season gets going, everyone, make sure you stay safe, you stay healthy, and you get freaking pumped for some Auburn football.
1: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra
0: mile for you.